Hello, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Mystery. In this episode, we will learn of an extremely rare and debilitating genetic disease, one that affects your basic motor skill functions and reflexes. Do you think you can guess which disease we'll be talking about on this episode? Let us get started and see how well you do diagnosing this rare disease. Be sure to watch the TV version of Behind the Mystery only on Lifetime's hit morning talk show, The Balancing Act, hosted by Montel Williams and Olga Villaverde. A talk show that addresses issues related to everyday women with a special medical segment highlighting rare diseases. So, if you need your medical entertainment fix, be sure to tune in bright and early at 7.30am on Lifetime to catch new episodes of The Balancing Act and Behind the Mystery Stories. You can watch episodes on thebalancingact.com. The college experience is widely regarded as the best years of anyone's life. There's learning, of course, but there are also countless parties and extracurriculars, as well as classes that you're genuinely interested to take. But for 27-year-old Frankie Perizzola of Los Angeles, California, her freshman year of college was a whole nother story. I began to notice symptoms when I was in my freshman year of college. And um, things were just beginning to become more difficult, uh, such as walking up and down the stairs. I couldn't do that without wide knuckling the railing or without holding on to someone. Um, so for me, it was just a little weird because I have been so used to doing things athletically, running up and down bleachers as an athlete, that that was nothing before. And I just, I really noticed I was beginning to struggle. Frankie was both an avid soccer and softball player. So her struggle to walk up five flights of stairs was concerning to say the least. Unfortunately for her, this struggle with mobility would continue throughout her next few years in college. With my senior year in college, my apartment was on the second floor. It was getting more and more difficult to bring the groceries up or even just going down to my car. Um, <clears throat> with graduation, I had to walk across the stage and then walk down a set of maybe like six or seven stairs. And they were very steep, very rickety. The entire time, I felt like I was going to tip over. Frankie initially wrote off her issues as the side effects of her college experience. After all, she had gone to Arizona State University, a school notorious for its wild raves and all-night rages. In fact, in 2009, ASU was even ranked by Playboy magazine as the sixth best party school in the entire United States, which just goes to show the kind of lifestyle that Frankie was exposed to throughout her four years there. I partied a lot like your average college kid, and I genuinely thought maybe it was residuals from 
my lifestyle, um, just not putting my body, not making it a, a priority. It took a while for me to even bring it up to my mom. I didn't see a neurologist until after I graduated. So I didn't really take it upon myself to try and figure, figure it out because I didn't think it was a big deal. But when her problems with mobility and balance persisted, Frankie could no longer ignore the nagging feeling that something was wrong. After graduation, she moved back home to California, where she started working for a godmother who was a registered nurse. Her godmother's husband, on the other hand, was an orthopedic surgeon. Because she was now spending her days working in a medical office, Frankie started to seriously think about seeking professional help for her mobility issues. But the final push came when a reflex test administered by her godmother demonstrated the absence of her reflexes. During lunch, for one of the days I was working, they gave me the reflex test with the hammer and they hit both my legs and I had zero reflexes. The way they looked at each other when that happened, I just got the feeling something was wrong. That's when I got a referral from them to go see a neurologist. Frankie consulted with the neurologist recommended by her godmother, but her experience was far from pleasant. She recalled feeling as if he wasn't listening to her and what she had to say. After putting her through several basic tests, he mentioned the name of a certain medical condition, one that Frankie had never heard of before. This was far from a legitimate diagnosis though. The neurologist referred Frankie to a cardiologist in order to run more extensive and more in-depth tests, including CAT scans, MRIs, and an EKG, among others. But even after all these, Frankie still didn't have a diagnosis. This was through no fault of her doctors though. She simply had neither the vocabulary nor the insight to properly describe what she was going through. So initially I was describing how I felt. I would describe it as being dizzy, but I didn't realize that my depth perception and the fact that I was wobbling and I was unstable attributed to what I was feeling. Not describing my symptoms correctly probably delayed my diagnosis. Frankie had taken note of the disease mentioned by her neurologist, and she decided to look more into it. She consulted with two different specialists and was asked to go through a specific genetic blood test. After an agonizing two-month wait, her diagnosis finally arrived. I'd been going through years and years of questioning myself and my body, but overall I felt grateful that I finally received an answer. So, let's do a recap. So far, we know that this rare disease causes the patient to feel the following symptoms. One, motor skills impairment. Two, loss of balance. Three, loss of natural reflexes. And four, lack of depth perception. Do you know the correct diagnosis? Have you figured it out yet? While the disease that Frankie was ultimately diagnosed with is largely considered to be rare, 
it remains one of the most common hereditary disorders in the United States, affecting more than one in every 50,000 Americans. More often than not, its symptoms begin in childhood, leading to debilitating issues with muscle coordination that worsen over time. The disease is also known to cause heart problems, with as many as one-third of diagnosed individuals developing conditions like hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or an enlargement of the heart and tachycardia, or heart rate abnormalities. There are also patients who end up with diabetes or issues in their spine. However, their cognitive functions, specifically their thinking and reasoning abilities, remain unaffected. This portion was brought to you by Nord, National Organization for Rare Disorders. Nord is a patient advocacy organization dedicated to individuals with rare diseases and the organizations that serve them. Since 1983, Nord has served as the hub of the rare disease community, leading efforts to connect patients and patient organizations with other stakeholders and driving progress for all. Nord, along with its more than 300 patient organization members, is committed to the identification, treatment, and cure of rare disorders through programs of education, advocacy, research, and patient services. For more information about rare diseases and Nord's programs and services, please visit rarediseases.org. According to Dr. Susan Perlman, a clinical professor of neurology at UCLA, the rare disease that Frankie was diagnosed with was a neurodegenerative genetic disorder characterized by mutations on both copies of the FXN gene, which is primarily responsible for making the protein frataxin. Frataxin protein is necessary for the production of energy in highly energy-dependent parts of the body, which includes the brain, the nervous system, the heart, um, and to some extent, muscle. So brain cells, especially those that control coordination and balance, are weakened, and the heart muscle, which requires a constant supply of energy, is also weakened. This means that a lack of the frataxin protein translates to a lack of control and balance, which were the exact same symptoms that Frankie had been exhibiting since her freshman year of college. More often than not, the symptoms of this rare disorder begin between the ages of 10 and 15. However, some, like Frankie, experience them in adulthood. To be more specific, approximately 15% of patients were only diagnosed after the age of 25. Based on figures released by the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, or the NINDS, for the majority of patients, the disease first affected their gait. The progression begins with gait imbalance, clumsiness with standing and walking, unexplained falls, um, often not picked up right away. The young person is felt to be clumsy. Um, but when the symptoms have been present for you know, several months, um, usually the family, the school, recognizes that there's something wrong. In Frankie's case, her gait problems were what led to her godmother's realization that something was definitely wrong. So one of the things that they noticed in, in the office, there's a long hallway from the reception areas where the patient rooms are. And they could see me walking in the hallway or just walking around the office. And um, it was definitely noticeable that my gait was off. 
So I think that's what sent the first like initial flag for the both of them that something was going on. Dr. Perlman also says that other early signs of the disease include issues with speech. The patient can either appear to be slurring their words or hesitant, as if they're searching for something before saying it out loud. There are also patients who develop scoliosis, as well as others who begin to have issues with swallowing due to their inability to coordinate the muscles of their tongue and throat. This slew of debilitating consequences means that patients with this rare disorder have to be diagnosed as early as possible in order for them to receive the best possible treatment. However, many, like Frankie, are unable to properly describe their symptoms to their doctors. This, combined with the tendency to write them off as generic or nothing serious, means that diagnosis is often delayed. Frankie first started showing signs of this rare disorder in her freshman year of college, but was only diagnosed after graduation. This isn't a situation unique to her though. According to experts, it takes an average of five years for patients to receive a proper diagnosis. For some, it can even take much longer. However, its symptoms, along with their accompanying complications, can be addressed by doctors and specialists. For instance, patients who develop diabetes or heart problems can be prescribed medication, while those having trouble with moving their arms or legs can undergo physical therapy. Other conditions, like foot deformities and scoliosis, can also be managed with braces or surgical procedures. Regular visits with the neurologist or pediatric neurologist, regular visits with the cardiologist to monitor the heart throughout the entire lifespan of the, the person. The heart is the primary determinant of mortality. Physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech and swallowing therapy when appropriate, regular eye tests, regular hearing tests, um, and management of heart-related symptoms that can improve quality of life. Unsteady posture, frequent falling, and progressive difficulty in walking due to impaired ability to coordinate voluntary movements are only some of the conditions that Frankie is plagued with. Did you figure out her diagnosis? Let's get back to our story and see how Frankie finally got her correct diagnosis. After listening to Dr. Perlman, as well as to Frankie's incredible story, were you able to correctly diagnose the rare disorder that both of them were talking about? If you guessed Friedrich's ataxia, then you're absolutely right. To quote the NINDS, Friedrich's ataxia, also called FA, is a rare inherited disease that causes progressive nervous system damage and movement problems. It usually begins in childhood and leads to impaired muscle coordination or ataxia that worsens over time. End quote. Named after Dr. Nikolaus Friedrich, who first described the condition and its symptoms in the 1860s, FA is developed when a person inherits two abnormal copies of the FXN gene from their parents. According to the NINDS, approximately one in 90 Americans of European ancestry carries at least one defective FXN gene. Friedrich's ataxia is often seen in individuals below the age of 25. However, late-onset Friedrich's ataxia, or LOFA, and very late-onset Friedrich's ataxia, or VLOFA, 
are subtypes or atypical presentations of this rare disorder that affects about 15% of diagnosed patients. The age of onset for LOFA is between 26 and 39, while for VLOFA, onset can be anywhere from 40 and above. If somebody presents with an atypical form, they're a little older than the average, um, or they present initially with scoliosis, with curvature of the spine before the ataxia is recognized, or rarely they present with heart failure before the ataxia is recognized. This episode is brought to you by The Balancing Act, Lifetime's longest-running morning talk show, hosted by Montel Williams and Olga Villaverde. If you love your medical stories, be sure to tune in bright and early to watch riveting topics and catch behind-the-mystery segments talking about rare and genetic diseases. You can also get more information and watch all the episodes on thebalancingact.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Mystery. Please visit thebalancingact.com to learn more about the show and listen to other episodes. Today, there are countless communities and organisations that aim to provide support to individuals diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia and their loved ones. Many patients, like Frankie, are extremely thankful for them. Someone is diagnosed with something rare, you always feel like you're the only person on earth who's affected by it. So having her introduce me to a whole new world and all these Amazing people completely changed everything. Shortly after meeting Frankie, Dr. Perlman introduced her to the Friedrichs Ataxia Research Alliance, or FARA, which is a non-profit organization formed in 1998 that is geared towards supporting and furthering the research on FA. Thousands of Americans have joined their cause, among them Frankie, who soon found herself as one of its ambassadors. With, with Farah, I became an ambassador. They would send me out to different doctorate programs, um, genetic counseling programs with up-and-coming doctors to speak to them and kind of put a face behind FA as well as raising a little bit of awareness. Thanks to the efforts of Frankie and the FARA, people are increasingly becoming aware of Friedrich's ataxia and its debilitating consequences. But while patients have learned to live with their rare disease, most of them continue to hope that one day, a cure becomes possible. For more information about Friedrich's ataxia, visit the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, or the NINDS, at ninds.nih.gov. The Friedrich's Ataxia Research Alliance, or FARA, at curefa.org. You can also visit our website at thebalancingact.com. This podcast was developed by Catapult Communications. Executive producer, Molly Major, Carrie Levy. Produced by Jean Marcel Costa. Written by Kayla DeLeon. And narrated by Chris Harris-Beachy.